Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast that digs you out of your backlog before it buries you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the Enzo and A-list, my little chef. I call the character who actually speaks. <laughs> All right, I'm Matt then. And oh my god, there's a rat. Yep, Jared here. <laughs> yep, oh my gosh, a rat. Um, <laughs> a rat is in the kitchen, a rat is cooking, a rat is making the best damn food in your life that's taking you back to your childhood. <laughs> mm. I still don't eat it because of my issues with food. <laughs> But I mean, it's not like the rat themselves is making the food. The rat is using weird body horror to control the person that is making the food. Oh, yeah. But it's the uh, different vegetables as I've used. Yet. It's still part of my own mental issues with food. So huh. rat, the rat is actually the, the smallest part of that. But what if it is prepared in such a way that it is actually be appetizing for you to, for you to get around your hangups and actually try the damn ratatouille that will get you to remember your childhood? <laughs> you think I ate ratatouille in my childhood? I don't know. I, I wouldn't. You should. You should ask my family how many things I wouldn't eat. God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this week, we are going to be continuing our start of Kingdom Hearts 3. The game is officially starting this week. Last week, it was 2.9. There's a lot of small things. There's not a, a whole lot that are too huge. So let's get into it, I guess. We open with Mickey and Riku in the dark world. Yep, we had just done a cold close on the very end of Hercules' world with Zigbar watching Pete and Maleficent dig for a box. Yep. And so Mickey and Riku are walking along a path in the dark world. Both of them have their new outfits. Yeah. They're both looking for Aqua. Yeah, I kind of like the outfits here. Uh, Riku got himself a haircut from his long-haired look, though I think that was before this. I can't remember. But now he's kind of wearing a leather jacket over a gray V-neck T-shirt, jean cargo pants with plaid, I guess you call it hemming, and, and, and thigh-high boots. Nomura has gotten obsessed with plaid trim right now for whatever oh, yeah. reason. All the new outfits in this game have a lot of plaid trim going on, and it is honestly my favorite design choice that he's made. <laughs> I mean, Mickey's got it, too. They're actually wearing yeah. very similar clothes, only Mickey's in his colors. He's wearing like a dark shirt and jacket, so it looks like the... Uh, Shirtless Mickey, red shorts, his big yellow boots, mm-hmm. <laughs> but with the plaid trimmings as well. I don't know why plaid trimming just looks cozy to me. Yeah, it does. All the new outfits for these characters, just like I look at them, and I'm like, I want to wear something like that. That looks nice. They look comfortable and fashionable. Yes. Oddly enough, Sword didn't end up with any. I'm not sure how. No, that he does. <laughs> he does. He has plaid on his outfit. I mean, he's got a little bit down his uh, jacket, but I know he doesn't have yeah. anything like the Hemmings. <laughs> Riku acknowledges that he was scared in the dark world before, but now he's just excited and not because of the darkness in him. Yeah, he kind of makes a little speech about how he thinks he's grown a little bit because now the darkness doesn't really have a hold on him. And he even remembers his promise that he made with Terra about strength to protect what matters. He doesn't really connect those words to Terra. He just remembers yeah. that he said them. Yep. And he kind of just waves off the Mickey. He's not going to say who it is. <laughs> They kind of end up worrying a little bit about how the connection between Mickey and Aqua is not as strong as it was because Mickey can't feel where Aqua has been quite as clearly as he thinks he should. He says like the closer he gets, the hazier the connection feels. They normally just follow his hearts. And Mm -hmm. and Riku gets worried Mickey says they're not going to give up hope, of course. Yep. Uh, They make it to the dark margin and Mickey knows that Aqua's trail has gone dim. So he says, well, maybe Aqua found her way out, too. And Mickey's like, no. Nope, she's probably fallen to a darker abyss. There's no reason to hope. (laughs) Well, (laughs) nihilist Mickey. (laughs) If nothing matters, everything matters. 
<laughs> God. <laughs> Everything everywhere at once, Mickey. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and then a bunch of shadows around them, and it's time for another demon tower. Fortunately, they don't overuse these in this game. Yeah, true. Like, only a few times, really. The point here is, like, they're connecting to point two and Mickey commenting to Riku that even the weakest Heartless are stronger here. Yeah, yeah, true. And that still makes me remember that Mickey seems able to one-shot Dark Sides casually here. So. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. What are the strongest Heartless, then? <laughs> is it just, like, is it is a Demon Tower stronger than a Dark Side? Is that what they're saying? Know. I was more making the point that I'm still glaring at that mouse for being way too strong and not helping enough. <laughs> we fight the demon tower. I have in my notes that this is faster and more aggressive than the ones Aqua fought. I don't remember if its patterns are actually all that different, but it seemed faster and more aggressive. Maybe it's just because Riku's uh, skill set is a bit weaker than Aqua's. I think also we might just see the tech tightened up a little bit. So it basically had more ability to go through things. On critical mode, I kind of feel like you actually need to block a lot of the attacks and stuff like that. You need to okay, pay yeah. attention to when it's going to attack and then focus on damaging it later. Yeah, Aqua has Reflect as her block, and so it's a lot easier for her to deal with it because it can more easily handle things at all angles. After the fight, the tower gets back up. Mickey tells Riku to watch out as Riku is eaten by shadows and we see him drowning in darkness. It basically just it's just like uh comes top down and just slams into him. <laughs> yeah. So basically we get a cut to a scene where Riku is floating in a black void and and just kind of drowning there because it feels like it's liquid. A voice in the darkness offers help, refuses to elaborate. I also said it was a surprise to see him again. And while Riku asks what it is, the voice seems to start saying what it is, but then we lose the scene. Yep. We see that Riku's keyblade is broken in the scene, too. The scene blanks out. Mickey wakes Riku up. And it's time to regroup. What if she's feeling as scared and alone as I felt the first time I came here? How long are we supposed to keep her waiting in this awful place? But Aqua, she's like Sora. What? No, no, no. Strong like Sora. <sighs> okay. Good. Then I guess she's going to be all right. Sora can fall into any darkness to swim his way out. Besides, we won't be long. Right. Riku then walks forward and puts his broken keyblade into the sand sticking out. Huh? Can't use this keyblade anymore. Might as well leave it here for the other me. What? <laughs> well, I, I love that they both are just kind of like are saying confusing ass shit to shock the other person. <laughs> Yes, just being cryptic intentionally just to fuck with each other. Yeah. Yep. I'm just, I like Riku is like, oh God, an older Sora, girl Sora. I don't need more of those in my life. <laughs> I'm happy to have the one, but that's my quota. I think it's more, uh, a bit of it is like, oh, she's like, Sora, wait, you mean she's an idiot? <laughs> idiot doesn't encompass Sora. No. Is I think. Um, it's actually not that simple. Description is the fun part of it. So. Oh, yeah. Riku at the end there sort of implies that the voice that was offering to help with darkness was his own darkness. And it sounds like he's saying that it is a bit different from when that darkness was personified by Ansem. If mm -hmm. that makes sense, right? Hmm. A little bit, because he, he tries to usually separate Ansem Seeker of Darkness from himself. He wouldn't refer to that as the other me, I don't think. Right, exactly. So he's kind of being mysterious his own way. It's almost like he doesn't want to say anything out loud here. Right. Yeah, we're, it's, it is kind of fascinating to see that Riku is continuing to be the can recognize when they're in over their heads and can retreat even if he's worried. 
Yeah. Like you see, you sort of see his logic and his empathy working, working like in, in balance or opposition. Mm-hmm. Riku starts another Keyblade graveyard here. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a bad idea. <laughs> setting up the Keyblade graveyard right at like the beach of darkness. <laughs> maybe we convince, maybe we convince reorganization it's going to be here and we just shut them in. <laughs> <laughs> so they're the ones that seem to be able to come and go. It's a bad plan, but yeah, we're not going to see it just yet. But Riku's new Keyblade is an interesting design choice. <laughs> I know it t- it has some uh, arguments over it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of cool, but I can see why some people wouldn't like it. We'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, we'll talk about when we actually get to see it, I'd say. Yeah. Sora, Donald, and Goofy report to Yen Sid, and Yen Sid worries that Sora did not regain his strength. And Sora's like, oh, it's okay. We learned a lot. Yen's like, that's not the point. Yep. You still need that goddamn power of waking. Yeah. Donald is just like, maybe if we just bonk him on the head and maybe it'll work. We just go behind him and just smack him on the head. <laughs> and Yen's is like, well, it might be that. That might work. It's Sora's like, I don't believe yeah. what i'm hearing yep. <laughs> to prevent the silliness from continuing riku and mickey show up and explain what happened in the dark world sora's just like why didn't you wait for me <laughs> this is actually kind of a brutal scene on sora ent- entirely he's trying oh, yeah. to he's trying to greet his friends donald and goofy kind of run him over oh yeah and they're all just talking almost literally over him yep yeah the reason they didn't wait for him anyway is that Sora would not have had the circumspection to know when to pull back. I don't know about that, but <laughs> Sora probably would have dove right in. They all talk about why, how they need to save Terra, Aqua, and Ventus as the next part of this whole... They're starting with Aqua, and the problem with the Aqua is it's a catch-22. Riku concludes that, much like when he dove into the abyss to save Sora... Needs someone close to Aqua. But Ventus is no good because only Aqua can wake up Ventus. And Aqua was the last one to see Terra. So, yeah, yeah exactly. Nobody knows where Terra is. Nobody's seen Terra since that one time. So yep. we were in that Catch-22 state of we need to get Aqua out of the world of darkness, but we can't find her in the world of darkness. So, yeah, so we can't defeat Air Man without Heat Man's weapon. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Airman Otausa, uh, what is it? Otausa? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not I don't know, Jeb. Probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that classic song. Yeah. Insert clip here. I don't know. <laughs> By the way, if that was Jensen's theory about Sora, he's kind of right because Sora merely volunteers to go save her. Like, no. Oh, yeah. You, you, not you, yet. You, not yet. You need to get the power of waking. S- settle down. 
So it's kind of funny that we keep obsessing about the power of waking, but we're still not really quite clear on what what it actually is. Obviously, it's supposed to have something to do with waking up sleeping hearts, I guess. But we, we don't really know why it's a special power and what is going to be done with it. You know, it's about waking up the hearts deep inside the world. So it has to wake them up inside. No. Shush. Shush. <laughs> we, have to, we have to save them from the dark. No. From the darkness they've become? No. Yes. No. Please stop. Please stop reliving Manot's cringe. I'm not sure. Yeah, that song's not cringe. It was the overuse that was cringe. It's it's yes. fine as a song. Yeah, it's a very good song. Riku and Mickey decide to go off to the worlds that Aqua went to to try and look for new clues. Like they they probably end up in a mousetrap in Cinderella's world, I assume. Whoops. No, Cinderella's world hasn't been recovered yet, has it? I mean, if I feel like it's still OK. We we don't have any idea what happened to those worlds yeah. and we have not seen any evidence that they came back. Well, my assumption is we know that the end of Kingdom Hearts 1 worlds were restored. And while Dream yes. Drop Distance said some worlds were sleeping, it doesn't mean all the worlds were sleeping, just some. <laughs> so I'm just imagining a side game where Mickey meets Jock now. <laughs> you oh dear. You are offensive. I don't know if it's the mice or the French, but. <laughs> you are a mouse. <laughs> Very different kind of mouse. You know, where Mickey comes in full size and Jock is mouse size, too. It's even weirder. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so you know, mini, you know that old mini comic, like, eek, a mouse. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jensen try, tells Riku and Mickey to meet up with Kyrie and Lee, who are training under Merlin. That sounds like a bad idea. Well, we we've been arguing before about Merlin. Did we like I remember we were arguing several episodes. We didn't think he knew Yen Sid, but apparently we we're just wrong. Yeah, exactly. He totally knows Yen Sid and Merlin totally hang out, totally chat, which Merlin shows him his bear book. So is Yen Sid to uh, Ericus as Merlin is to Xanort? <laughs> <laughs> just like uh, old no. buddies, but old buddies and Yen Sid does not notice that Merlin is totally evil. <laughs> Okay, so let's get let's get an X anagram name for Merwin. How about Remlinax? Remlinax. No, Remlin Rem Remlinks. Remlinks. <laughs> Remlinks. <laughs> Push the Remlinks no. theory, people. <laughs> Hashtag Remlinks. Make this trend. No. It's R it's R E M L I N X. If you hashtag it, we see it, we'll actually be weirdly happy, but Yes. <laughs> um That's so cool. anyways, Yen Sid with Possibly the only thing I've seen him do so far in a game, he's delivering more clothes. Yeah, um, the we don't actually see the good fairies, right? But they do make. Yeah. Well, first he makes clothes for Lee and Kyrie on the conclusion. Yeah. I think that that Axel's been wearing that those robes for 13 years and just yeah. one day in those leather robes is awful. So, yeah, <laughs> the, the all of the those black leather Pugas cloaks, they smell like a smoker's jacket squared. Oh, yeah. Honestly, it may be why Riku just had so much problems there, because like I just it's everywhere. The scent. <laughs> Fortunately, Sora is not left out of this. Sora also gets a trunk full of new clothes. Weirdly enough, he calls out Sora's clothes as made by the three good fairies. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I honestly think that all the clothes are made by the good fairies. It's just that this is the one that is like specifically called out as that. It's like before they have special powers. Three X had to make them. And Chip and Dale left you a present in them, too. And then Jiminy shows up telling us not to forget him. 
<laughs> By the way, I tried to make that sound as awful as possible, like they were scurrying through the outfit. And uh... oh no, <laughs> yeah, Jiminy shows up to tell us not to forget him. And I have in my notes, oh trust me, Jiminy, we want to forget about you at this point. Of course, guys, <laughs> how are you going to how are you going to keep track of this of this adventure without my books? <laughs> Last time you just wrote two words. No, that was way long ago. <laughs> no, see, I didn't write those words. <laughs> damn so it, actually, so you wrote nothing then. <laughs> Jimmy is going to track our journal again because God is dead. <laughs> so, yeah. So the end, Sid still giving out gifts. He really could have done this before. I feel like he sent yeah. us to Olympus where we got on the, on the bad side of the God of death again and eldritch beings of creation. He needed to have a tutorial before we get these gifts. And anyway, the final gift is a heart binder that has the Dream Eater symbol on it. Dream Eater is the silliest summon in the entire game. We'll talk about that in a bit. But it is worth noting Heartbinders are the Link summons this time around. Yeah. Everyone bows to Yensid as they leave, and he whispers, may your heart be your guiding key as they go. With kind of a weird little close-up on, like, his mouth, and you see Donald, Goofy, and Sora kind of, like, crouchy and listening right in front of the desk. Yeah, Goofy's like, like huh. told you, Goofy's like, I told you so. He's like, see? <laughs> Got the Dream Heartbinder. This will let us summon Dream Eaters with a Link command. You know, whenever we want to listen to the Water Barrel song. Oh, no, <laughs> not again. Please, no. <laughs> so, yeah, so now we're back to the gummy ship where once again, Sora, Donald, Goofy have no idea where to go for dinner. Like literally me and my housemates last night driving around aimlessly <laughs> trying to figure out where to eat because everyone was busy. It had that. Oh, no. It has that total tone to it. Yes. Yep. But yes, <laughs> then a, a phone suddenly rings in Sora's pocket. Yep. And he has no idea what's going on. Yeah. Uh, OK, so we already know that Sora can't computer. So the fact that he now has a smartphone should scare everyone. Yes. Well, when it starts ringing, he has no idea where the sound is coming from. Yep. They finally he finally finds it and mm-hmm. presses the button and the phone goes on and Chip and Dale instantly start giving him a phone etiquette lesson for the gummy phone. Mm-hmm. First, first lesson, don't leave people on read. You got to answer the phone, sir. We can't give you updates. I can't do a Dale. It's hard. So Chippendale's voices are very hard. <laughs> I'm going to say this, though. When is the last time you have answered a cell phone with a number that you do not recognize? It's even worse in this case, simply because, you know, not only is it a number you don't recognize, you don't even recognize that you had a phone. Exactly. But but in that case, he's not even realizing what he's doing. He's just pressing at this magic, this magic noise box. True. So, yeah, Sora has not learned not to answer your fucking cell phone because the only people that ever fucking call you are scammers and spammers. Can I just say we're lucky he didn't smash it with his keyblade? <laughs> <laughs> this must be some sort of square heartless. <laughs> it's it's instead of black mirror, it's gummy mirror. Oh, no. Chip and Dale, they talk about the code answer the wise hidden inside store that we learned about from the end of Dream Drop Distance. And then Ienzo bombs the call and re, re quote unquote introduces himself as an ally. I have in my notes. That's right, folks. Yenzo has decided he's as important as Lee. He's come so far. He's finally out of the basement and he's in a well-lit room. He (laughs) really, really has done so well. And then Aelis shows up to scowl on the phone for a minute. Doesn't say anything, though. Yeah. Implied that he's pissed at Roxas is why he's not talking. Because Yenzo scolds him for it. It's hilarious. Goofy and Donald, I think, vaguely recognize Zexion Slash Yenzo. Here's the thing. How could they possibly have? That's my question. Yenzo's like, I guess we haven't spoken since the castle. And Sora definitely doesn't remember. 
When did they speak in the castle? These were they didn't. These were, these were fucking Riku's villains. Yeah. Not only is Sora's memory Swiss cheese, like he's quantum leaped. He never even met these guys. Exactly. Unless, it might have unless off screen, unless because they he, were separated for for most of the game. Well, they were cards. For yeah, they were cards. They'd been carded. They were cards when they were in the dungeons of Castle Oblivion, and then when you were in the little in-between zones, they got to not be cards. Still, they never saw Zexion or Lexius. So unless we assume that both parties remember the data battles, which if if yeah, uh, so and Aeolus remember that, that's really scary. Yep. But, uh, funny thing is, they met, he mentions Zemnis, and Donald and Goofy immediately go, oh, he's with them. Like, they recognize that, oh. This must be one of the organization guys. Yeah, but it's like, like wait, no, he had his hold over us now. Don's like, yeah, right. But Goofy's like, oh, wait, Axel's our side, too. Yeah. So just randomly, I thought it was kind of funny that there's on one of the loading screens, it uh, Ienzo has made a post and it has hashtag X organization in it. And I thought yeah. it was funny. I, I want to find like a gallery of all those posts because that those oh, yeah. are really funny to me. We should talk about them more. Oh, yeah. Those are yeah. fun. Like uh, Sora calling was like, it's like himself and the other. What does he call himself? Half pints? We call well, it. Yeah, it's short. like me and the uh, other two half pints. And then the hashtag is pint and a half. Yep. <laughs> I love it. And uh, Donald actually does briefly mention they don't have power, too. But <laughs> yeah, they all got depowered. Yeah, but he doesn't. And he's just like, why did we get depowered? Whack. So, yeah, Ienzo mentions that there are others sharing Sora's heart. And Sora's just like, oh, right, Roxas. And that gives him his direction to go save Roxas. Yeah, he decides that the the thing that he's going to hang on to and aim for with all of his heart in order to become a hero like Hercules is that he's going to save Roxas. Yep, he's going to follow Roxas's heart since Riku and Mickey are following Aqua. Can I mention that Yenzo still kind of talks like a prick with uh, over complex words in his own way? Yeah, that's totally fair. We still have a plethora of questions on our side. The idea is merit. He said, it's incredible enough that you and your buddy are able to coexist. We'll keep investigating based on your hypothesis. You just just stop showing off, dude. He's he's just the science guy. At least he's not vexing. Oh, God. <laughs> and then we finally get the Kingdom Hearts 3 title card. The Kingdom Hearts 3 title card, because, you know, we weren't playing Kingdom Hearts 3 up until this point. We were playing II.9. II. <laughs> yep. You are not playing a game until the title card appears. What are you, I don't know what you're playing before then. And now we get to introduce the Gummy Ship minigame for this game, which is actually extremely good. I love the Kingdom Hearts 3 Gummy Ship. Holy shit. Yeah, I definitely agree. They made a really cool game out of it. It's a cool kind of space flying exploration sim. And then you get little on rails battles that you can get into. It's cool. Yeah, there's a lot of things to find. It's relatively self-contained. The only thing that like you can get from here that impacts your uh, regular play is if you get your ship and up to destroy meteorites, you can get materials for Keyblade forging. Which I only just realized where I am about about like one Disney World left in my playthrough. So I'm just kind of grinding that bit. One That's of fun. the nine or Halcom pluses in the game are is from the gummy ship as well. You're right. You're right. You do need. To, I, I forget where she, what you need to do to get it. It's in the last region. So, yeah, I ha- also I have on my notes, I pretty quickly invert my flight controls because I'm not a sociopath who thinks pressing up on a joy ship should make you go up while flying. I just leave them alone because I'm fine either way. I specifically put that note in there to torque some people off. <laughs> so I want to have this discussion. Um, uh, so how do you all handle flight controls in games? Unless it's a game where we'll be flying all the time, I just leave it the default and just work my way through it. 
Yeah, I, I'm pretty ambivalent for the most part. If it's more of a simulation type of flying thing, I tend to prefer the more accurate simulation type of controls. But if it's arcade, I don't care. So, like, for me, the way my brain translates 3D movement makes the inverted controls make more sense. In that, like, it is literally, if you push forward, it is tilting forward, therefore you should go down. That like my brain works that way, even without like having any real experience with flight sims. So see, for me, it's just with especially with the the on rails parts, I think of the 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 movement as controlling where the ship goes rather than controlling pieces of the ship. That's fair. It's a bit closer to like your uh, uh, shmup controls in that case. Yeah. By the way, small time out. I actually found a gallery of the of the uh, of the. I don't know what you call it, insecure posts. <laughs> oh, cool. And some of them are really funny. I like. I wonder why Yenzo marks his with Zexion VI. It's one of his hashtags. Oh, yeah. Because he was the sixth member before. I know. <laughs> but why would you call out that name? It's like some of the ones coming up are such funny tags. I'm going to be mentioning at that point. Uh, like the yeah. whole. So they introduce these uh, as the story goes along, correct? Right. Like I said, when we get to them, I'll definitely mention some of the funnier ones I've noticed here. The first place that we are supposed to go with our gummy ship is twilight town because when you think of roxas the first place you think of is twilight town of course of course well they're not going to the ice cream shop so they might as well go to the town instead so yep the clock tower is the same as it ever was but man this hd glove sure makes this town look pretty i fucking love twilight town in this yeah. game yeah i mean twilight town always has that dusk lighting but the more the more enhanced you can make that the more clean you look there the more the stronger it gets for that yeah it definitely makes it look like a nice kind of living space i like the the way the town is laid out a lot. I mean, it's more or less the same layout as in Kingdom Hearts 2, but something about it feels a lot more lived in. Yeah, it's just the the textures and the style that they they really nailed. Also, you have the trams going around all the time, which is kind of. Oh, yeah. And because you have a bigger environment now, you really just have like a more vertical town with with more skyscrapers to play with and like this one big area. Oh, yeah. Those are the slightly awkward alleyway set of KH2. Mm-hmm. We open up with Sora, Donald, and Goofy uh, walking down Market Street discussing what's been happening in the plot so far. Uh, and Goofy remembers that they forgot to fill everyone in on what happened with Maleficent and Zigbar on Olympus. <laughs> She's a bit of a, a whoops there, uh, Goofy. And everyone. Yeah, Sora doesn't mind, by the way. The three of us can handle a few old adversaries, right? <laughs> Sorry, aren't you complaining about your power loss or I have in my notes. Maleficent is probably a higher level endgame than Xehanort. So you're playing with fire there, Sora. <laughs> we understand most of the components of how Xehanort came back. We don't understand how Maleficent came back still. Actually, you're right. Like she seemed to sacrifice herself at the end of Kingdom Hearts 2. And then she's back doing awful shit encoded. So and don't forget one, whatever, whatever the Keyblade of Darkness, the Keyblade of Heart did to her messed her up so much that there was nothing left of her and people forgot about her. And then she came back anyways. Yeah, yeah, it seems like the deal with her is that if people remember her, she comes back. I Hmm. don't even know if we have enough data points. Because after two, she just seemed okay. Yeah. You know, like I said, if if that was the consistent data point, I understand, but we don't have enough proof of it. So Mm -hmm. Xehanort came back because of time travel and also the whole thing with reconstituting a body. Yeah. Sora gets excited about all the trams and says it feels like it's been forever since he's been here. And he's like, oh, wait, that must be Roxas's feelings. And also the yep. fan base's feelings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yep. we've last been in Twilight Town in two, right? We never got to go back there. 
they go into a very uh very coded type of glurgy speech here with hurting as part of caring. I don't, I please don't say that. Like it is just like re reiterating that they're like, Oh, right. Data Sora happened. <laughs> yep. And, and that Sora mentioned how he, he met Roxas in the sleeping worlds, like in his dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Goofy's like, any Sora still Sora. Yep. <laughs> he just, he sounds just like Data Sora. <laughs> <laughs> He, he does say almost the exact same things. How carrying sure. a little hurt isn't that bad. Sure, yep. true. And like what the one Matt quoted. Yeah, we're talking about Roxas, and then Sora hears voices in his head. They come for him. They understand. They talk to him. We get a weird cut to a black screen. Do you seek our liege? The thing is, I remember this happening in Cage Two. This happened. Oh in yeah, the data this happened in K- town. Yes, it did. It seems to be how the dusks collectively talk. Yeah. Sora's eyes pop open. We are assaulted by dusks. And the game takes a moment to explain how links work, which are summons, as we said a little bit earlier. Let's talk a bit about the Dream Eater summon now. You get to bounce around a big meow wow. Yep. Yep. And it explodes into Dream Eaters as its finishing move. Yep. Concerning. It's actually quite good early on. There's quite a few early encounters for critical mode that are most easily solved by using uh, meow wow there. Mm hmm. Um, it's a very good AOE thing that makes you invincible for a while. It's essentially an attraction, but it's uh, one that you're controlled by MP rather than getting attractions uh, from fighting things. I don't really find myself using it. In normal mode, any summon will give you max HP. In critical mode, any summon will restore half of your HP. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so, and it also takes all of your MP. I, you, I think your MP has to be completely full in order to do a link. You yes. can just like, do it at part MP. Correct. That makes it kind of difficult to use, and sometimes you have to strategize around it. I'll talk about that a bit more in the final episode of this season. Also, snipers show up in this fight along with dusks. And snipers are actually pretty tough in critical mode because if you let them get off too many shots and don't block them, they will own you pretty hard. But the block actually does a reflect on them, which is a very good opportunity to do a lot of damage to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the fight, Sora wonders what the voice was, but no one else heard it. Oh, well. And then Hater Pensanolette show up running around a corner looking pretty upset. They're being chased by a demon tide and it's time to fight a demon tide as a level nine Sora. What the fuck? By the way, one of them shout, get the ice cream later is part of what they shout. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, OK, what kind of town is this where a, a fucking demon tide is just like, oh, shit, we'd better run rather than, oh, my God, this is an apocalyptic event. Something that took Mickey and Aqua both apparently at high level, at high near peaks of their power to fight together. My oh, yeah. Yeah. I have in my notes. Oh, shit. It seriously expects me to fight a demon tide. Yeah, I was actually rather scared of it in critical mode. It was very hard to get. But then we find out later that we only have to knock off, I think, two bars of its health before. Oh, yeah. It fucks off after a few health bars. You wonder if it's because it's not in the uh, if it's not in the dark world that it's like not as strong or can't hold its cohesion as well, perhaps. But but it does fly over the town. There's a lot of chasing it down or being charged from it from wide distances. And then it's just gone and doesn't come back ever. It comes up again. Why? I wonder why. Where did did it go? I have no idea. What is it doing now? It went to the beach. (laughs) With critical mode, you really have to pay attention to the red glow on the shadow's eyes when it's aggressive and then do as much as you can on it when it's 
when it's not aggressive. Yep. And then when it's aggressive, you have to just very carefully block its charge attacks. Mm-hmm. Winning gets us cure. After we chase it off, Hainer Pencilette come up to thank Sora. And then we get to do the meta time versus in universe time joke. It's been ages. Hasn't been that long. <laughs> I have in my notes. Okay, let's work out a time hang here. How long has it actually been since Kingdom Hearts 2? We don't know exactly how long of a break Riku and Sora took before they took their exam. And they've basically been traveling for probably just a few days since then. And the original organization members woke up shortly after their nobodies were killed. Has it been like a week in universe time? <laughs> Like be that long. Can't be that long. Think about it for a second. Like, (laughs) like it's been, as you said, 13 years between Kingdom Hearts 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3's release, but only uh, probably a week in in the universe. So, like, I love that they get to do that joke. But at the same time, wow, doing a bunch of prequels and then also having a weird dream journey kind of fucks with the timeline a bit. Yes, it does. Makes you think a lot more has happened. Sora ends up mentioning Roxas to the kids and they don't know him, but they kind of have a little bit of deja vu about it. Like they feel like they should know him. Uh, Sora, Donald and Goofy show the kids a picture of Hainer, Pensinolette and, and Roxas. And they reveal they have the same picture, but without Roxas. And they remember the other Twilight Town. It's kind of funny. It's like, we don't know this Roxas guy, but maybe he's kind of a friend anyways. I think this is something like mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. he seems like a cool guy. Uh, I'm just imagining that I don't know just I'm laughing because you're doing the strong bad voice because that seems like the sort of sort of a plot to a a strong bad email or something dear dear S to the B I have a friend who I once photoshopped in the photo with you and drew you together does that mean you're actually friends now (laughs) sincerely some idiots (laughs) Anyway, Henry Repensinal led offer to help find Roxas, and they all snap a photo with a gummy phone to introduce Lucky Emblems because one of them happens to be in their photo. So what is a Lucky Emblem? It's basically stealing a joke from the parks. Oh, yeah. In the parks, especially Disney World, there are hidden Mickeys. It's a rather infamous thing is that there's just all sorts of Mickey three circle emblems hidden in, in rides, in scenery, sometimes in like more subtle levels or just... It's just for some reason they are just everywhere over the parks and often in other things like the films that it's just throughout all of Disney. And so Kingdom Hearts 3 finally gets to play with that. Uh, so I actually found out that also Kingdom Hearts 2 technically has some hidden Mickeys as well. There's a hidden Mickey in every single uh, command frame uh, for each of the different worlds, which is kind of yeah, neat. Kind of neat. It's appropriate because Kingdom Hearts 3 worlds feel like a series of theme parks. Oh, yeah. That's definitely what they're doing here is like getting that whole theme park feel um, by like hiding all these little Mickeys around you to do a little scavenger hunt. Uh, you need to get 30 to get the secret ending in uh, proud mode, 60 to get the secret ending in standard mode and 90, which is the entirety of them, to get the secret ending in beginner. And if you'll get all the hidden Mickeys, apparently the unofficial list is over 1000. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And Dis- but Disney has never compiled a complete list. That's what makes it so wild. So it's hard to say what's deliberate, what's not deliberate. <laughs> wow. Well, talk about interesting lucky emblems as they come up. I think they're a really cool thing. I do like it. Style. It's caused partly by Donald Goofy bickering over who has to take the photo. Oh, yeah. One last thing to say, Donald and Goofy acknowledge that the hidden emblems, the lucky emblems look like the king, but have no explanation why. Or don't even seem that surprised, just amused. 
So is Mickey is Mickey a serial vandal vandal? Yeah. <laughs> Mickey was here. Mickey is the equivalent of Kilroy. So let's explore Twilight Town. I have in my notes. Holy shit, people live here. The world feels full. Hey, wait, why are the triplets over there? I just like a yeah. In in Olympus, we had a we had a small number of innocent civilians were saving from fire while they say we're not as good as Hercules, so that's fun. But this just kind of has a decent set of NPCs wandering around, just kind of being people. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of feels like there's more NPCs wandering around Twilight Town than there are NPCs in the entirety of Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 and Birth by Sleep. So here's a little continuation on my triplets thoughts. They are apparently selling gummy ship parts. Shh, Ixnay on the Ummy Gay Ipshe. You can't let people know there are other worlds, kids. So since they're gummy, does that mean people eat them? I have no idea. Mmm, this is a delicious laser cannon. It has yes. not been confirmed or denied whether gummy parts are edible. You, if you wander around town, you get some pretty funny snippets of conversation. Mm-hmm. Like to continue quiet excising of Final Fantasy characters continue because they don't mention by name. They talk about how someone, oh, he went off on a hero's journey with Fu and Rai. So yep. Cypher's left the town. Vivi isn't mentioned and they don't even say Cypher's name. Yep. They haven't. They don't mention Setzer at all either, right? No. Well, Setzer probably left town to either find a new struggle Tournament to try to be the the uh, the uh, pool shark in, or he's under arrest. Yeah, it's it's only been a week. The struggle tournament probably is like not happening until next year, so Setzer doesn't care. Or people got sick of him beating up kids, and he's in jail. There is a person who has a bit of dialogue who says that they're looking forward to the next struggle match. Mm. So it's probably going to be a while, uh, but still fresh in minds. It really is a wonder how this light NPC work just does a lot to make the worlds a little less creepy and hollow. Yep. Yeah, they, I mean, you can't even talk to most of the NPCs. Most of them just don't have a button to press on the dialogue. Yep, they just have some canned audio, but yeah. But just their presence there feels really nice. Also, right away, we can go to the Moogle shop, which introduces Keyblades having upgrades. Um, the implication being Keyblades can be relevant through the whole game. Yeah, most of the Keyblades are side grades now. Yeah. Uh, you, you get to forge them and use their mechanics. Yeah. Um, some of them get slightly stronger or give you new abilities when you upgrade them. There's also a bit of upgrade gates based on how far you are in the game, because that still requires some materials that you can't get until later. They're soft upgrade gates because, yeah, they're based yeah. on materials showing up in different places. But, yeah, I like the system. I think it's very good. There's a new bistro that opened up near the tram station that we can't do anything yet. It's just there. What was that place before? Was it anything before? I forget. I don't think it was anything. No. The area around the shop is somewhat similar. It's such a flexible environment that's been changed that you really just rebuilt the town's geography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was a little alley there before. So in the back alleys, there's a little movie theater set up showing classic Disney cartoons that have Sora in them. Yeah, I, I we need to stop here. <laughs> in this, because Mickey and Soar are in extremely old timey cartoon style. In fact, it's kind of in the style of the Game and Watch style games that are going to be a mechanic soon. Yeah, but we do get a character flat out say, like an adult saying, "Wow, I watched this one when I was a kid." <laughs> um, Did we break time in Timeless River? <laughs> this, I mean, Young Dort is going to be pissed. Because he and his older self went through a lot of trouble for their time travel, leaving your body, having an extra body. Oh, wait, no. Apparently, it's just easy. Except, okay, what if because uh, the way time travel rules work, technically, when Sora goes back in time in for Timeless River, there is a Sora that was there beforehand. <laughs> What's What Sora is that? 
I'm, the classic I Sora. think you're overthinking it. No, I am not overthinking it. I'm putting exact much thought into this as is required. So <laughs> it is worth noting the one who created the path to Timeless River was Pete originally. Oh, shit. You're right. Pete does something that no one else can do. Even Merlin is cautious around it when he sees it. What's that? Just basically creating this impossible gate to the past where you can change things. True. Yeah, we did decide that that basically that particular gate doesn't apply the normal rules of time travel that Zayn has to follow. That's fair. Normal rules. <laughs> yes. Zayn is so fucking weak, he can't even make a time portal that you can go through without having to find a body there. It's because I the mean, cornerstone or some shit. He can't even wreck out throughout time like Bill and Ted. <laughs> yes. There's a few so, interesting lucky emblems in the area that I thought were kind of neat. We all thought they were kind of neat. I didn't look that hard yet. <laughs> OK, so there's a projection screen in the back alley where they show the old timey movies. Once the screen goes off, you're able to see the lucky emblem. Uh, and there's also an arrangement of plates in the shape of Mickey's head. Yep. It's up on a roof somewhere. Yep. That's everything in the plaza area. There's an, the way to the old mansion. Instead of being through a hole in the wall, it's now through a sewer system that wasn't there before. I mean, we've been in the sewer system in like the uh, hill part of the town. It's yeah. similar to that, but true, true. Yeah. So when we finally make it to the woods, there's a whole pile of fruits uh, making a trail to a tree. Yep. And in the tree is some of the monkey heartless, the power wilds. And then Goofy knows that they're harassing a small rodent. Yep. Sora, the best boy in the world, decides to save the rat. So is that a better version of the screenwriting advice book? Save the rat instead of save the cat? <laughs> hmm. I don't know. But yeah, so I just love that. He finished his fight. He just kind of awkwardly stared at this rat with all his large fruit. Like, take care. Yep. Have fun with your fruit. And then the rat rewards Sora by grabbing his hair and puppeteering him. That's right, folks. It's Remy from Ratatouille. Yep. He oh, just runs Rakakuni. right up his leg. I think we've made the Rakakuni joke more, more times than we can count. Um, oh, I would wow. like to just keep talking about Ratatouille because I think Ratatouille right. is one of Pixar's best movies and probably Brad Bird's best movie since Iron Giant. It's a very good mo- film. I think it at least gets its themes across better than The Incredibles did. <laughs> or The Incredibles 2. Oh. Let's the not Incredibles, talk about the Incredibles kind of muddles its messages a lot. My problem with Incredibles is that it messes up with its messages by making the villain correct. <laughs> like, first Incredibles kind of works to show that he's a hypocrite about what he's correct about. Oh, yeah. The second, yeah. One's a much, the second one is much worse because the villain gives his long speech, which never really gets refuted, and... Yeah, theoretically, by the world's logic, should make sense, except for that. Oh, yeah. Are hurt. So, yeah. Yeah. Like um, the Incredibles just sort of like try so hard to deconstruct heroes, to be honest. De- deconstruct heroism when it I'm sorry, people. I think the Incredibles is I the good stories, but I think their themes are completely messed up. Mm. Ratatouille, on the other hand, is one of the best movies Pixar has ever made. <laughs> and it involves it involves the weirdest body horror ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I shaved my head, so no rats can possibly puppet me around like a uh, like a mecha. But then you find out they're just going to reach through your skin to the nerve endings. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's terrifying. Thank you. Anyway. So, yeah. So it is worth noting, though, this is Remy. He's never referred to by name and the character never speaks. Yeah. Uh, in the original movie, Remy is voiced by uh, Patton Oswald. As that movie makes clear, only rats can hear Patton. <laughs> This rat has skills to grab Sora's hair and not immediately cut his his paws up. 
Yes. <laughs> He's got gel residue all over his paws now, though. I don't think Sora's hair is gel. Sora's just hair. It's a genetic anomaly that Mark's shown in Heroes. Yes. <laughs> it's like the it's like the X gene. Yep. Anyway, he wants us to gather up the ingredients, so he kind of puppets us to uh, Sora to gather up all the ingredients. No, it's the stuff that he puppets us the entire time, but yeah. we do have to it's go like, around gathering ingredients. It's like Don going, Sora, you've been hijacked. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I know I keep forcing the voice, but it's just the right time, even though yes. you're better at. But yeah, it's like basically Sora's like, look, cut it out and I'll help. You don't need to force me. Yep. <laughs> yep. After we gather them, Sora wonders what the deal is and Remy pantomimes cooking, but Sora, Donald, and Doofy don't get it and just fuck off. Well, he's just kind of going with the paw, like, I'm going chop, 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 and push. Like, it's not the easiest thing to get with a pantomime. True, true. Yes. <laughs> so we leave Remy with, with his fruit pile. Yep, he's kind of dejected. So let's go to the mansion. There's, so the Heartless in the area, we talked about the Power Wilds already. There's also new things in the Money Popcat, which is a pup cat that drops money. And the Vermilion Samba, which is one of our new magic bells. I think it is a new fire type. Yep. The new, the bells actually have a new trick in this game, which is they kind of get like a very Evangelion-ass looking magic circle around them. AT field? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And when they do that, they get access to a few extra moves that make them a lot more dangerous. And it depends on which element they are, what they do. You are noticing more things than I did about enemies. Cool. I'm barely noticing anything except hitting them with sticks or keyblades. <laughs> so we approach the mansion and look up at it. Uh, Sora sees the room where Namine was and remembers Roxas's memories of it. He basically has a Roxas experience. So like kind of quickly yeah. he imagines like you sort of see Roxas for a bit. And it's not quite like how Roxas had Sora visions where, because Roxas's Sora visions always had a little bit of a uh, TV static beforehand. But he still this is sort of like Sora having a Roxas vision. But I do love that this one script I'm using chooses the phrase he has a major surge of nostalgia. I mean, that's an interesting way to describe something. That's a way to describe it. I don't think I would call it a surge of nostalgia. (laughs) Yeah. Like Sora, he's even thinking about it's like looking at the windows where you might see what might have seen Namine, like the the wind moving the curtains, like in the original Seven Mysteries. Mm -hmm. Kana ruins it by sneaking up behind Sora and scaring him. Yep. He just drops his hand. Sora's like, hey there. He's like, ah! Sora asks, do they have any leads? Pence says that it was a total bus, so they're just going to go inside and play with the computer there. Can I say Sora saying thanks for the heart attack? He's getting snarkier. Oh, he is. It's great. <laughs> I've, I've grown up a little. Now I know how to be annoyed. It's been a week. <laughs> it's been a busy week. <laughs> I mean, I mean, hey, I his guess... voice has dropped a lot. I well, that's in perceived. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone here see X Men Apocalypse? No, uh, no. Well, one of the major jokes there is that it seemed to be an entire movie about why Xavier now has no hair because he starts getting Apocalypse transferred to him. That's the first thing that happens. So I'm imagining Sora's adjustments is that he has just a little bit of Xehanort now. Oh no! <laughs> it might be longer for Sora simply because the perception of time in the dream might have been very different for him. Enough to drop his voice? Maybe. I come you an old man (laughs) they play with the computer inside Pence remembers a silly bastard and tries to get the uh, tries to get the transporter working you're waiting for a tram you don't know when it's coming no we're not doing that (laughs) we're not doing that 
Stop putting these ideas in my head, man. It's almost it's, uncontrolled. Jared? Yo. The inception, the time for inception jokes was in Dream Drop Distance. <laughs> <laughs> but you invoked time dilation now, so. That includes that you put it in my head. Oh, shit. Yeah, you did accept the inception <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that, so it's time to go play with the computer. Sora yeah. immediately crashes. Sora immediately goes on Facebook and brings up Candy Crush, which is the no. main skill I assume he can find. The transporter won't work. Won't. It's been protected. Yep. <laughs> We're not going to make it to the other Twilight Town. And then Enzo calls. Hello, Sora. You wouldn't have to be in front of a computer? Huh? Well, yeah. But how'd you know that? I was tinkering with Enzo's computer, you know, to decrypt the code that was left in it. And I noticed that someone had logged in from their terminal. I figured it might be you. Oh, yeah, the log terminal. You don't know what he said. Oh, and what you do? <laughs> I know I haven't got a clue. <laughs> then, uh, who was it that logged in? Oh, hi there. This is Pence. I'm the one who logged into the computer. Good. As long as it's a user that we know we can trust. Yep, but I, I'm kind of stuck here. One of the programs is protected, so I can't run it. <sighs> Which program? The transporter to the other Twilight Town. No. It's the only way to find Roxas. You gotta help us. Another Twilight Town? And a transporter? Okay, a virtual town inside of the computer, made of data. A dayscape, fellas. Mm-hmm. We've seen one. That's what we used once to investigate Jiminy's journal. Maybe I can do something. Pence, let's get a network set up. My address here is... You hear Yenso and Pence kind of rambling computer things to each other. Sore is asleep holding the phone up. Yep. Computer, the computer makes a sound. Beep. Okay, sharing is enabled. Huh? Were you able to fix it? Now that our two computers have been successfully networked together, I can take control of the terminal there and change the privileges. And Roxas? Yes. For the virtual world to be completely realized, Anson the Wise would have included Roxas's full data into construction. Meaning, somewhere on your machine there's a lot of data that... Hmm. He's looking at Sora, clearly seeing the... Don't get it. Uh, basically, we can decipher Ansem's code more quickly. And... We can analyze the virtual Twilight Town while we're at it. Okay, great. I can't computer, so do that. <laughs> I, I love Edgy. that line. It's yeah. just so I mean, bad. I love the Enzo it's here. Not he's bad. Not, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's amazing. I love the I love the Enzo here. He's not being mean, but he does seem to have already gotten used to the Sora experience. Oh yeah, yes. it's just like, oh wait, this kid is. How did this kid beat the organization? <laughs> because he didn't have to use a computer to do it. Other people used a computer. Yeah. <laughs> he did it with on. pure good boy energy. Exactly. I love these first line. Almost implies he ends up a Sora is near a computer alert. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what it is, but. Yeah, I was just good. laughing a little bit about it because it's just like, wait, somebody's using this computer. Who knows about this? Let's see if Sora is the one. Just call him up. I mean, that's the accurate design. I went the other way. I just imagine it's like Sora, computer. Sora, computer. Oh, shit. Sora, yes. Sora, computer. Everyone, DEFCON 1. 
I'm just imagining what wasn't there that one scene where where Roxas was beating up that computer. But that was because he was having a full on emotional breakdown. And, yeah. And, yes. and, and and understandably and sympathetically. So, <laughs> yes, I just love him like realizing he's talking at a, a level above the Sora and just stopping. Yeah. He's just like, yes. wait, wait. Oh, cap. <laughs> I just love the d- the dumb techno babble, too. Oh, yeah. He, he doesn't even really dumb it down. He just stops explaining things and just says, look, it's going to work. Yep. Yep. Which is honestly less rude than like, trying to say it in a dumb way. Yenzo <laughs> also shares that Evan slash Vexen has vanished after regaining consciousness, so he might have defected again. Everyone's first instinct is good. No more Vexen. Well, I have my notes. Great. We're going to have to deal with Vexen at some point. Ugh. <laughs> So, yeah, um, so that's a nice big piece of um, foreshadowing. But we knew he was missing anyways. Yeah. Yep. Um, so outside the mansion and some Seeker of Darkness and Zemnis show up to taunt Sora a bit. This is a hell of a pair, may I say. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> I love it. So We're going to talk about it in a bit. It starts with Sora down, Goofy just walking out of the mansion. So you think you can bring Roxas back? It is worth saying that he's just leaning against the wall, arms crossed, just being casual. Handsome. And then Zemnis pops out of a corridor of darkness like he was waiting for his cue. Zemnis! Roxas never should have existed in the first place. What you seek is impossible. Roxas does exist. His heart's inside my heart. And in the unlikely event that you did manage to separate the two, where is it that you think you can put his heart? Well, Roxas used to live in the other Twilight Town, right? So I'm just going to put him back there. Do you even realize what you are saying? The other Twilight Town is just data. A heart can live anywhere, even inside data. There are hearts all around us. Ansem and Xemnas used to be part of the same person, right? But look, now they exist separately just fine. If they can do it, then I don't see any reason why you and Roxas can't find a way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you tell him, Captain Goofy. In that case, by all means, nothing would please us more than Roxas's return, of course. You wish. He'll never answer to you again. Still so blind. A nobody is what's left behind when one gives his heart to darkness. There is only one way to bring Roxas back which is for you to give up your heart as well. Sora, have you finally decided to call upon the darkness? What? Go on, then. The shadows are never out of reach. Ansem pops out a horde of Neo shadows and Zemnis calls Duskin with him. Now, set Set your your heart heart free. And, And then the two disappear, pointing at the Keyblade Mania sign before they go. I mean, they pointed at Sora. Is Sora the Keyblade Mania sign? <laughs> Maybe. By the way, it's just so hilarious to have these two hanging out. Oh, it's it's great. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they kind I of have bickering couple of energy, don't yeah, they? I, I flat out, well, I flat out said to John while I was playing, because I'm commenting to him all the time, like, I can't shake the image of these two dating in some sort of horrifying narcissistic feedback loop. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> that like, would be. I, I brought Neo Shadows and you brought Dust, just the Goombas of your group. Why do I even bother? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it's just like it's just the silver head, silver haired Bishi group here. So, mm-hmm. yes. 
So this encounter, I actually had quite a bit of trouble with on critical mode until I just decided to use the Meow Wow link. And oh, yeah. that pretty much beat them. Yep. Winning gets us Blizzard. Uh, I don't think I have more to say about the fight than that. And Blizzard's still the same as in point two. And that kind of still gives you the escape line, right? Yeah, it gives you a track that you can rail grind on, do flow motion moves off of. It's cool. So, so after the fight, he just keeps thinking about Hercules said about saving someone with all his hearts. Yep. And so Sora's like, it's not darkness as long as it helps Roxas. Yep. If I don't see it, it's not illegal. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was amusing. Like, like clearly Xemnas and Ansem are trying to fuck with with Sora and his what he's willing to do. Yeah, I just but, like we're getting piled on by final bosses. It doesn't seem that worrying yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're the boss rush. Not yet. <laughs> Back in town, we run into Scrooge. Scrooge McDuck, just hang around again. We're not going to talk about him for 20 minutes this time. Sorry, folks. He thanks yep. us for rescuing his chef and Sora only recognizes him as the ice cream vendor in Radiant Garden. Yeah, well, Scrooge, again, just in this town, casually walking between worlds, is messing with the world by opening up his own restaurants. Yep, with a chef he found. And he's also apparently employing Hayner, Pence, and Olette right now by having them put up flyers. Who are, yep. by the way, does that mean that, are they on summer vacation again? <laughs> Maybe. Because summer vacation was almost over. Or they're doing at least a part-time, part-time job. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, so Scrooge reveals his chef and and as you might expect, it is Remy the Rats. Yeah, I have in my notes. So Scrooge ended up in Pixar France and stole a restaurant star chef. Remy, continuing not to speak, just indicates and basically I think Scrooge says that he wants to cook for them. Now Sora, Donald and Goofy will always comment when ingredients are near. So let's go through those lines that they say over and over and over and over again. Hey, I think we'll find some ingredients around here. I bet we'll find some ingredients around here. This looks like a good spot to find some ingredients. <laughs> or for Hugenots. <laughs> Hugenots. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I kind of want you to say it as John just had because you do it. Hugenots. Hugenots. If you go back to talk to Scrooge, like, in business, yeah, I, I'm not going to try to do Scrooge. Just continuing not to do his Scottish accent. He yes. uses his part of his catchphrase. You got to be smarter than the smarties and tougher than the toughies. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, I, it's kind of his famous line. So I kind of imagine Scrooge taking Zemnis down with his cane now. Yes. I think he could. Let's quickly talk about the cooking mini game because I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of time to talk about it elsewhere. It's basically just a series of different like do one or two motions with your joysticks. Most of them are not that bad to get the excellent rating on, but oh my god, I hate that fucking egg crack mini game. The egg crack mini game is the worst. Uh vegetable cutting is the easiest I want to say. Um yeah. frying can be kind of difficult or su- uh sauteing. Flambe. Oh, it's a flambe. Whatever. Yeah. It's a flambe. I have a problem with the salt and peppering cuz I keep misreading the circles. Mm. Yeah. And but the yeah, it's totally how egg cracking an egg works, right? If you do it really well, you always get a double yolk. Yep. And if you do it wrong, it just you just crack everything together. So any double yolk is just sort of a a random, not quite mutation, but like a, like a, like a freak accident of egg laying. Um, yes. If you get if you get all the recipes, the main recipes, not of the special recipes, you get a special keyblade. The Grand Chef. The Grand Chef. Describe the Grand Chef. 
It's the Eiffel Tower with, with the handle also has looks like either olive oil or alcohol bottles. It's sort of a, like, and then once you get to the top of the tower, you get cross silverware into a chef's hat with what looks like a faucet. And I'm not even sure what the last part is of the blade. What are its form changes and what is its uh, shot lock? Now, its form changes frying pan. Really? It turns into a, a flaming frying pan with with great range. Neat. Steam spiral and fruit crusher. Hmm. Basically, he turns into the frying pan and rains fruit down. Excellent. And the steam spiral, as you expect, it just kind of blasts fireworks. I think it's pretty similar to the basic shot lock type. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a rat standing on top of a it's a rat standing on top of a faucet holding a wooden spoon is the blade part. I, I found the clear. Funny. <laughs> Got it. Um, so before we go on, I want to quickly do a bit more completion stuff. Uh, the, reason, the reason I'm moving a lot of completion stuff to here now is because the last episode of the season is actually going to be pretty stuffed with story. So uh, I wanted to do a lot of the more smaller world completion stuff. Also, it's I think Kingdom Hearts 3 is a little bit more well designed in the fact that you can generally do all the completion stuff when you finish a world from after yeah. you get the gummy phone. So yeah. you don't have to return. You can just basically clean up yeah. at the end. So some things have changed around Olympus. At the top of Thebes, there's a new area with a weird crown and a cherry in it. I have in my notes mm. a memory in me stirs a memory of a minigame. I talk to the crown and a giant heartless flan pops up and a minigame starts. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> the way you say it, I find myself thinking of Iron Chef. If memory serves me. Well, I mean. <laughs> but we're already a segment late for it, I know. <laughs> well, no, this still ties into cooking because each of these gives you a rare fruit ingredient that you need for some of the more special recipes. Really? Oh, yeah. I haven't touched this yet. Oh, boy. <laughs> isn't, it, wait, isn't that for like a second set? And you only need to, like, clear them once to get, like, enough of the ingredients that you need to do some cooking. But you still probably should save scum it. I guess we're sledding through town. <laughs> yep. This is the mini game series, the Fantastic Seven. I love that name. Bye, Bye Fantasy Flan. Yes. Bye, Fantasy Flan. Ah, courage, a cowardly dog. You're just always worth it. So the Fantastic Seven Cherry is a sledding through town minigame where you gather up mother flans for points. And it's not that bad. You just basically have to maintain your speed enough to get down to the bottom and not end up crashing. And if you get down to the bottom and you hit most of the flans, you'll have enough points. Yep. Uh, With a score of 20,000, you get the form change extender ability and a surprise, along with the sour cherry ingredient. Not regular cherry, just sour cherry. There's actually like I found out that in Japan, they call the sour cherry something specific like acerola or something like that. Mm hmm. It's a probably they got it from some other language as a word. Uh, So there's also a bunch of interesting lucky emblems around Olympus. First, in Thebes, there is a forced perspective on some stairs where, like, if you look at it at the right angle up these staircases, you see it superimposed on the staircase. Yeah, it's kind of printed on the sides of the stairs. Not this one specifically, but one of the ones where I realized negative space or or background could be lucky emblems. When I first got nervous about how evil these might be. Oh, boy. <laughs> there are so many cool lucky emblems in this game. Because I haven't been looking that heavily, but later one, the first one, I realized like, oh, shit. Yep. Mount Olympus. This is the climb up Mount Olympus, not at the top of it. There is a cliff top where literally the top of a cliff is shaped like Mickey's head. And then you have the realm of the gods, which has a lucky emblem made of clouds in the distance that you can only really see from a particular balcony. 
Yeah, and in order to get to that balcony, you have to go on a rail gauntlet that you don't normally go on for the regular course of the game. Like, it's really tucked away and hidden. Just to sort of, like, drive home how lucky emblems are. They're a real scavenger hunt, and I think they're really interesting. It's one of the coolest things in this game, in my mind, for completion. The annoying thing is the radius in which Donald and Goofy will start talking about lucky emblems throws me that it's never close enough that I find it. They start Mm. talking about it, and I panic and go to camera mode, and then I'm completely lost. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Before we go... We have a little bit of a scene with a bit more organization chat as they are watching the bistro. Yep. And I'm just like, well, oh, man, are you hungry? Yeah, I could eat. Yes. <laughs> and, and our buddy Sigmar pops in. Aren't you making it a little too obvious? We were instructed to guide him. Yes, just look at them. They wouldn't get far if we did not spell it out. Fair enough. But let's not forget how many times Sora still managed to rain on our parade. If he wavers from the path we lay, we destroy him. But in that case, we'll have to find ourselves another vessel. That is why we never have just one iron in the fire. Thanks for confirming it, guys. <laughs> All the irons in the fire. Cahoots! Oh, God, really? <laughs> The the Xehanorts just have, like, about a hundred plans in motion at any one time. Oh, yes. The best thing about so many Mies is that we can do all the things. We can, we can plan all the things. Uh, I think that's everything. Do we have anything we want to say before we close out? This has been a bit of a long recording. Well, I mean, that's super long. This was it was longer than expected for a relatively small section. But, yeah. <laughs> so next time, we're going to a world we've never been to before. With Correct Me Wrong, a company we haven't been to a world of before. We're going to our first Pixar. Yes, we are going to Toy Box. I'm excited to get to it. Oh, boy. Until next time, I'm Jared. I'm John. And I'm Matt. And remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. I completely missed the... uh... The big discussion in discussions. Sorry, why not? Oh, yeah, we've been having a lot of fun today. Mm. I've been very pleased with the reaction we've been getting from, mm. uh, how do you want to pronounce that? Kinsey? Zinzi? Zinzi, I guess. Zinzi? Zinsky? Well, if it's anything like Kazinti from Known Space, it'd be Kazinzi. Kazinski. Kazinzi. Kazinzi. That's a complete anyway. guess, of course, but. Yeah. Anyways, wait, wait. I've been enjoying having this discussion, and <laughs> they bullied me into buying a copy of days on ds so i might be playing that okay. at some point in the future i enjoy being bullied by my fans what about bears oh right cocaine bear <laughs> it's actually exactly the stupid fun dark horror movie with reasonably plays a decent amount of the trope straight Mm-hmm. Like, it's and, not trying and, to be a, a magical skeleton of cadaver, right? No, it, it's it's a dark comedy as opposed to a flat-out parody. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it does some things with really dark comedy jokes, like the bear's climbing the tree after a kid, but there's a guy in a tree next to it. He had crawled through spilled cocaine, so the bear spells it and it double times <laughs> down and up the next tree. And we're talking, it looks like it looks like a Benny Hill speed. So, and so then he eats one of the guys from Modern Family. And then, I don't know and what that then means. <laughs> he, he literally is one of the actors from Modern Family. Is right, 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 I don't and, know what that and means. Then, fair enough. Jared, yeah. who do you think you're talking to here? How are things going yeah. with you, Matt? Uh, doing okay. I'm. I tried soldering something today. I'm doing okay. I'm not doing great, but I. Oh dear. Trying it. <laughs> okay. I assume it's not the case. I think you'd sound different. That kind of sounded like I'm doing okay. They're always second degree burns. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I didn't <laughs> burn myself at all. It's just. I that, mean, uh, what? No. <laughs> Much, much more shocked than that. <laughs> Yenzo, the science guy. Yes. <laughs> Tell him, Captain Goofy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, Christ. This is the best decision we've ever made. Yes. It's just, I mean, it's not me to say, just the fact that it's his title, but it sounds like some sort of horrible mocking joke. Yes. <laughs> so good. Anyways, time Back in. To you, Matt. Sorry. Yep. So until next time. Until next time what? (laughs) Sorry. Cat's being weird.